nation's capital. Here is tonight's nation's report. Good evening, and coming up in today's nation's report for the 16th day of June, 2022. Shekinah Robinson is National Primary School Spelling Bee Chimp. June is Men's Health Month. Here's what's happening. And local educator becomes popular author. These are just some of the headlines coming up in today's edition of the newscast. With the details, I'm Damian Wilson. Now, here is tonight's news. Shikenya Robertson of the Osita Jolly Primary School is the new 2022 National Primary School Spelling Bee Champ, according to the Department of Education. The department says that 10 spellers representing public and private schools from across the country participated in the competition, which was held at Beaches, Turks and Caicos on the 2nd of June. After seven rounds of intense spelling, Robertson emerged as the top speller in the country. Spelling 37 words correctly, the first runner-up was Sharia Tegji from the International School, who spelled 35 words correctly. Other participants in the competition included Tiana Kier of the Alpha Christian Academy, Antoine Ford of the Best Institute, Theodore Goldson of Community Christian Academy, Akila Chiran of the Enoch Creepert Primary School, and Naomi Fenelis of the Ianti Pratt Primary School, Jonelle Belzi of the Una Glinton Primary School, Jean Janiel Jose Santana of the Provo Christian School and Nathaniel Mizig of Richmond Hill Preparatory. Premier of the Turks and Caicos Islands, the Honorable Charles Washington Mizig brought greetings and declared the spelling be open in the absence of the Minister of Education who was away on official business. The Department of Education expressed their gratitude to principals, coaches, teachers and parents for their support during the event and gave special thanks to the coaches and teachers who remained dedicated to the training of the participants despite their hectic schedules, says the the Department of Education. The department says that the National Primary School Spelling Bee is a countrywide enrichment activity open to all students who might that's who meet the pre-registration requirements. Well, we say congratulations to each of our 2022 primary school spellers who are indeed winners and represented their schools well at the Bee. Still in local news, the Ministry of Finance says that further to the review of the previous citizen inflation adjustment stimulus applications that have previously been put on hold, they have now been granted. It is also says that applicants will receive an email from noreply at gov.tc requesting the outstanding documents. This means that persons whose stimulus applications were previously on hold has another opportunity to receive the economic relief. The ministry says that the applicants must submit the request inf- requested information or documents by no later than 5th July as failure to do so 
and meet the deadline will result in the application being declined. Eligible persons may contact the government via tciassistance at gov.tc. The Ministry of Finance says that, however, if your application has been declined because persons do not meet the age criteria or the application was duplicated, no further assistance can be given. The ministry is reminding persons that to be considered eligible, they must be 18 years or older during the application process and must provide proof of their residency in the Turks and Caicos Islands. Letters from educational institutions showing current enrollment are now considered proof of residency and must be accompanied by a standard affidavit, according to the ministry. Applicants may also provide a letter from a district commissioner or justice of the peace as proof of residency, which must also be accompanied by a standard affidavit. Persons may also provide an active NIB card, voter's registration number, or a copy of a current utility bill as proof of residency when applying for the Citizen Inflation Adjustment Stimulus. With the recent launch of the government's new internship and apprenticeship program, the Ministry of Education, Labor and Employment says that it is seeking to partner with companies in the private sector that have an existing internship program and those that are interested in participating in the TCI National Internship and Apprenticeship Program launched by the government. If you are interested in being a part of the program, the ministry says, then you should contact them for more information. The month of June is designated as Men's Health Month by the Ministry of Health and Human Services. And the ministry says that issues affecting men such as heart disease, prostate cancer, testicular cancer, diabetes, and other and other ailments are highlighted to raise awareness and educate men on these health issues. In the Turks and Caicos Islands, there are alarmingly high rates of chronic non-communicable conditions which plague the community, says the ministry. On the 17th June, the Health Promotion and Advocacy Unit would like to encourage everyone across the TCI to wear the color blue to raise awareness about men's health and encourage husbands, fathers, grandfathers, brothers, nephews, and friends to prioritize their health and perform regular checkups. And the schedule of activities for the remainder of the month during Men's Health Month include also a Men's Health Walk in Grand Turk on Saturday and a Men's Health Walk in Providenciales on Saturday. The Men's Health Walk in Providenciales will take place at 5.30 a.m. from Town Center Mall and on to Susie Turn. The Men's Health Walk in Grand Turk will start from 5 a.m. at the Lester Williams Park and down to the Governor's Beach. Also taking place during the month of June for Men's Health Month is a Men's Health Conference featuring special guest speakers. And the health conference is being put on in collaboration between the Health Promotion and Advocacy Unit and the 100 Black Man TCI chapter, says the ministry.
also taking place is the Men's Health Fair, which will take place on Monday, 20th of June, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. in North Caicos at Horse Stable Beach. A Men's Health Fair and panel discussion will take place on Tuesday, the 21st of June, from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. in Grand Turk at the Yellow Man and Sons Auditorium. There will be a men's health screening and testing on Wednesday, 22nd of June, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. in South Caicos. And finally, Men's Health Month wraps up with a Men in the Galley cook-off on Saturday, 25th June, 2002, from 3 p.m. in Grand Turk at the NJS Francis Park. And as we wrap things up here on the local scene, on Wednesday evening, RTC sat down for an exclusive interview with Jamaican-born local educator Marguerite Anderson. Anderson is an educator with a passion for the arts and taught at the Raymond Gardner High School, RJHS, in North Caicos for 12 years. Her talent for writing and storytelling is well known among her students and colleagues, with her also having done some freelance writing over the years, publishing several articles in local newspapers. Anderson says her influence on her students most recently inspired several local writers, including the author of Tim and Emily's story, Miss Pandira Higgs, and you would have heard Pandira right here on Radio Turks and Caicos when we did the exclusive interview with Miss Higgs. She also inspired the author of Self Talk, Jessica Corville, who were both students of hers in North Caicos. I am extremely proud of Pandira Higgs. Her achievement is colossal. You know, this is a celebration of Pandira and of others before her who tapped into their creativity. You know, there was uh, Leah Bima Doriston who published her poetry among other young writers in an anthology published in the UK. And Leah Bima Doriston achieved this while she was still a student at the Raymond Gardner High School. And more recently, you know, one would have learned of Jessica Corville, who authors self-talk. And so here we are again, another student having attained this amazing achievement. And yes, I am happy that I was able to witness it and that I in some way influenced their journey. Well, Miss Anderson has been putting her talents to use and branching out as an author herself, having written an A to Z picture dictionary, Brainy Edibles Collection, a series of educational children's books, and her most popular work to date, the poetry book entitled Echoes from the Naked Soul. During the interview, she described her own creative process, which she underwent to produce the anthology of poems. She said that 15 of the poems were written in two days and others sitting as she drafted, waiting to be released in the latest publication. The creative process was difficult in some respects and easy in others. Easy uh, because many of the poems were written years prior to my deciding to publish this anthology. I would easily say that 
perhaps 15 poems were written when I actually decided to write this anthology. And those 15 poems, they were written over a period of two days. And the ideas came, the themes came to me all at once. I remember writing these poems with the deliberate goal to have my poems studied at high school and tertiary level. And as a result, I had to consider the form. I had to make sure that the devices, that those techniques are present. I have to think of all the features of poetry for that purpose, you see. Anderson also expressed her feeling and waves of emotion that often come over her while writing these poems. She said that many times she found herself in tears and weeping during this writing process as it felt like an unburdening of her own soul. She also revealed another personal reason for sharing the powerful anthology of poems. I would say that the writing of this anthology, it's something that lingered in my mind. But throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, I was alone, away from my family, in a foreign country with my kids. I was filled with trepidation, filled with anxiety, unsure of what's going to happen, you know, and... um it caused me to do a lot of introspecting and a lot of retrospecting. I looked back at my life, evaluated where I'm coming from and where I am and where I want to be and why is it I have not attained the, the, the ultimate goal that I desire, you know? And I suppose it is these emotions that I would say influenced um, my decision to publish this anthology. She also added that by publishing the anthology, it gave her the ability to share her daughter Rachel's creative talent as an illustrator, which so many readers have marveled at. She said that many persons on the island of North Caicos often turned to her daughter when they needed a painter, or to spice up their business or home. During the interview, Ms. Anderson again expressed a quiet pride in publishing the anthology on her own, which is something she says is not new to her. Even still, she said that it was a great achievement. Echoes from the Naked Soul can be purchased on Amazon in paperback or hardcover. An interested person can also look out for the next private reading session in person with Miss Marguerite Anderson. This brings us to the end of this segment of the newscast. Up next is news from the region. And turning to news out of Cuba, once legendary for its sugar cane, produced only about half the sugar it had hoped for this season. And authorities acknowledge that while they will cover internal demand, they will not be able to meet their international commitments. 
Dionis, that's DNS Perez, Director of Communication at Azucuba, the government agency that regulates sugar production on the island, told reporters on Wednesday that it is no secret that the sector is in crisis. He said that this year Cuba has fulfilled only 53% of the harvest. Perez did not say how much sugar had been harvested, but at the end of last year, Economy Minister Alejandro Gil said the state plan was to produce 911,000 tons of sugar this harvest, which concluded in May, but the percentage given by Perez would mean that production was only about 482,000 tons of sugar. Perez said that the reasons for the season's low production include a shortage of herbicides and fertilizers, a delay in starting up sugar mills, and even a lack of oxygen, which was hoarded by the health sector to combat COVID-19. Needed repairs for breakages. He also blamed a lack of fuel and spare tires due to U.S. sanctions. He said it was not realistic to compare current sugar production to that of the 1980s when there were 150 mills. Then now there are only 56 and 54 of those were active. And of the 54, only 35 contributed to the harvest, according to Perez. In 2002, authorities closed half of the island's 150. 50 mills. In the subsequent years, others were dismantled amid falling sugar prices. Many of the old facilities dated from before the Cuban Revolution in the 1950s, and the sugar cane fields were reduced, and thousands of workers lost their jobs. Perez said higher production is not expected next year since the same problems will exist, and authorities plan to reduce the number of sugar mills used to 26. Authorities will hold a sugar and cane derivative conference in the coming weeks. Perez said this this season's production will cover internal demand about 500,000 tons, but not the 400,000 tons per year contracted with China. Therefore, they will have to renegotiate, he said. And still in regional news, chairperson of the Guyana Elections Commission, Claudette Singh, has reasoned that any review focused on investigating actual occurrences during the 2020 election by the electoral body would be outside of the scope of its powers. However, the she noted that should the intention of a proposed review be considered, if their potential weaknesses are found in the Guyana Elections Commission's processes and methods for the conduct of elections, they will propose improve methods or processes for the future elections. Justice Singh made this announcement following a public request made by five, made some five months ago by the opposition commissioners that an internal investigation be launched into the events of the 2020 general elections in Guyana. This brings us to the end of regional news. Stay tuned. Up next is news on the international scene.
And Chinese President Xi Jinping has reiterated his support for Moscow on sovereignty and security matters in a call with his counterpart, Vladimir Putin, on Wednesday, upholding his backing for the country's partnership despite the global backlash against Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Speaking on his 69th birthday, she also pledged to deepen strategic coordination between the two countries, according to China's foreign ministry. A separate readout from the Kremlin said the two leaders stressed their country's relations were at an all-time high and reaffirmed their commitment to consistently deepen the comprehensive partnership. The pair last last spoke just days after Moscow launched what it insists on calling a special military operation. China, too, has refrained from referring to Russia's actions as an invasion and has walked a fine line on the issue. China portrays itself as calling for peace and upholding the global order, but refuses to denounce Russia's actions. It has also used its state media apparatus to mimic Kremlin lines, blaming the United States and NATO for the crisis. During Wednesday's call, she stressed China had always independently assessed the situation in Ukraine and called for all parties to push for a proper settlement of the Ukraine crisis, echoing language he used in a March call with the United States President Joe Biden. The Kremlin's summary of the call took took this position a step farther, saying the president of China noted the legitimacy of Russia's actions to protect fundamental national interests in the face of challenges to its security created by external forces. China's lack of sanction for Russia's war in Ukraine has further strained Beijing's tense relationship with the United States and its allies. U.S. officials have repeatedly called on countries to condemn Russia's actions and warned their Chinese counterparts against aiding Moscow. During the March call between Xi and Biden, the U.S. president spelled out consequences if China gave material support following U.S. intelligence reports that Moscow asked Beijing for military assistance, a claim both countries deny. And... uh, Turning to some news out of the United Kingdom, the inaugural flight of a controversial UK government scheme to send asylum seekers to Rwanda was stopped on Tuesday after an intervention by the European Court of Human Rights, the ECHR. The UK's PA Media News Agency said that all migrants have been removed from the plane and the flight to Rwanda will not take off as scheduled. Britain has no plans to leave the European Convention on Human Rights, but the Strasbourg Court, which enforces it, overstepped its powers in blocking the deportation of asylum seekers to Rwanda, Deputy Prime Minister Dominic Raab said on Thursday. Britain's government had announced a deal with the East African country in April. Those people granted asylum would then be allowed to resettle in Rwanda. The government insisted the program was aimed at disrupting people smuggling networks and deterring migrants from making the dangerous sea journey across the channel to England from France. Advocacy groups had initiated multiple legal challenges to stop the aircraft, including an appeal that was rejected by the Court of Appeals in London on Monday.
Several dozen asylum seekers saw their tickets canceled. Care for Callis Refugee Charity said, leaving just seven people due to be deported by Tuesday morning. But on the evening that the plane was expected to depart, the ECHR issued a series of rulings in the cases of the last Rwandan-bound asylum seekers, ordering the British government not to remove them. A Rwandan government spokeswoman, Yolande Makolo, said the country is not deterred after the UK deportation flight to Rwanda was grounded. Makolo added that the current situation of people making dangerous journeys cannot continue as it is causing untold suffering to so many. She said Rwanda stands ready to receive the migrants when they do arrive and offer them safety and opportunity there. Stay tuned to Raider Turks and Caicos. Up next is sports. And in some tennis news, Russian and Belarusian players will be allowed to compete at the 2022 U.S. Open. The U.S. Tennis Association, the USTA, announced on Tuesday despite Russia's ongoing invasion of Ukraine. The USTA's decision comes after Wimbledon became the first elite tennis event to ban Russian and Belarusian athletes. The men's ATP and women's WTA tours later stripped the Grand Slam of its ranking points in response to the move. Instead of following Wimbledon's lead, the U.S. Open will adopt the approach used by the ATP and the WTA since the invasion where Russian and Belarusian players compete under a neutral flag. As a result, the current world number one and reigning men's singles champion, Daniel Medvedev, will be able to defend his title. He defeated Novak Djokovic in straight sets in the finals last year to claim his maiden Grand Slam. Belarusian Arna Sablalinka, who reached the women's semifinals last year, will also be allowed to compete. The USTA CEO, Lou Scher, said the decision had been made because of concern about holding the individual athletes accountable for the actions and decisions of their governments. A statement released by the USTA condemned the invasion of Ukraine and recognized that each organization has had to deal with unique circumstances that affect their decisions. The USTA committed itself to providing significant financial support to the humanitarian effort in Ukraine, saying that based on their own circumstances, they will allow all eligible players, regardless of nationality, to compete at the 2022 U.S. Open. The USTA will work with players and both tours to use the U.S. Open as a platform to father humanitarian effort of the Tennis Plays for Peace program, the statement added. The U.S. Open begins on 29th of August in New York. 
And in some basketball news, the Houston Rockets have agreed to acquire the number 26 pick in the NBA 2022 draft in a reported deal with the Dallas Mavericks, according to multiple reports. The Rockets reportedly will send Christian Wood to Dallas in a trade. Additionally, Houston will add Barben Medjian, that's Marjanovic, Sterling Brown, Trey Burke, and McQuise Chris as part of the reported trade. Would a fifth-year forward average 17.9 points, 10.1 rebounds, and 2.3 assists over the 68 games with Houston during the 2021-22 season? He was one of nine players to average at least 17 points and 10 rebounds, joining Philadelphia's Joel Embiid, Milwaukee's Giannis Antetokounmpo, and two-time MVP Nikola Jokic of Denver. Houston also has the number three pick in the 2022 draft with the most likely selection being Urban's Jabari Smith, Gonzaga's Chet Halmogen, or Duke's Poyolo Banchero. Orlando picks first, followed by Oklahoma City at number two, and there has been much speculation that Banchero would fall to the Rockets. Would average 50% shooting this season, including 39% from three-point range. Dallas will be the 26-year-old seven team in seven years and in seven NBA seasons after stints with Philadelphia, Charlotte, Milwaukee, New Orleans, Detroit, and Houston. Wood is entering the final season of a three-year, $41 million contract and revealed to reporters that in Houston last week, he had preliminary talks with Rockets on an extension. However, it is unknown if one side decided not to go through with the deal or if it simply became clear that he wasn't going to be part of the team's long-term plans. This brings us to the end of sports, and it also brings us to the end of today's newscast. Stay tuned for a look at the headlines. And taking a look back at the headlines for today, the 16th day of June, 2022. Shekinia Robinson is National Primary School Spelling Bee Champ. June is Men's Health Month. And here's the list of activities happening in June. And, of course, local educator becomes author. Thank you for joining us for today's newscast for the RTC News and Production team. I'm Damien Wilson, wishing you a wonderful evening and, of course, reminding you to join us again tomorrow at one thirty for the Midday News Major. And if you want more news, you can log on to www.rtc89fm.com to view these and other news stories or download the RTC app in the Google Play Store. Have yourselves a wonderful evening. Join us again tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. for another edition of The Nation's Report.